I'm good. Very fine. Thank you very much. All right. Awesome. So, um, what I must let everybody know is Mr. Elder is one of the first people that I shared the Venture Matrix publications with, and he he took his time amidst you know his busy schedule to actually read it and give his comments. Um, I want to publicly say thank you so much for that. I was one of the validations I needed um, at the time. So thank you very much. Thank so, yes. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about how to democratize economic um, power through economic institutions. You know, as, as, as um, discussed in the Venture Matrix publication series four, the rise of institutions. And as we do on the forum, we have 15 um, minutes batches of four types of, of conversations, right? We have a trivia, we try to establish a common interest um, with our guests. Then we have the discourse, then we have the strategy session, and then we have the forum, right? So if you're excited and you're ready to join in on the conversation, just make me know in the comment section, say, go, 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 go. All right, I can see people, awesome. Okay, people are excited. All right, sir, so in the trivia, first thing we want to establish is, you know, you're one of those people who have, who have um, you know, taken time out to actually invest in trying to solve this problem of creating an enabling environment within the undergraduate community. And one thing we want to understand is what are the dysfunctions within the current environment that is creating this dysfunction? Okay. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Okay, okay. Yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much to him for uh, having me. Um, uh, pretty much excited, of course, coming down to uh, share a little from my world of knowledge and I uh, would like to say at my little experience. Uh, so to, 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 to the question you asked, uh, as per the dysfunction, or is it the dysfunction we have uh, in, in our society or at our undergraduate level? Um, I think um, it, it, it usually boils down to, will I say, a lack of a sense of purpose. Let me put this in that manner. Um, a lack of a sense of purpose, uh, because of course it's usually said that uh, when you know uh, purpose is not known, or when the thing is not known, or when the public are not, I know there's a problem like that that says. Uh, you know, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, then of course abuse, abuse is inevitable. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think uh, for me, it's 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 majorly where you know our tertiary institution today lacks uh, you know that sense of direction. People people no longer go to school you know to be solution oriented. People just go to school to satisfy that criteria of oh I have a degree. So whatever you study, you know you get to campus, you behave anyhow. Uh, for some you block, for some you you cheat your way. For some, you you know, you just it's just a function of getting the degree, so that at least you can also to guide to your profile or title that you went to this school, you have a bachelor degree. Uh, for some other folks, you know, you even go further, you get a master's or a PhD, and you keep asking yourself, what is the purpose of this entire education you get? So for me, I think uh, that's actually the first disconnect, and you know, one of the major things I try to do when I speak to undergraduates, and one of the major things I try to advocate for uh, within our Tasha institution. For you know, for fresh graduates during their orientation, that as you gain admission to the university, getting good grades should be a priority. But in getting good grades, it should be defined to purpose. What is the entire purpose? Why are you doing what you are doing? 
So oftentimes, people will tell you that, oh, why not wait till you graduate before you can begin to define what you want to do with your life? But the truth is, you can actually define what you want to do with your life, even while you're an under level, even before you gain admission to the university. Now, once you're able to define that purpose, it becomes very easy for you to align every other activity of yours to that, uh, to that particular purpose. Yeah, somebody said my video is dark. I think it's, it's, it's where I face. So I have this stuff. Okay, let me just change my location and see if it will get better. So just give me one, some seconds. All right, all right. Uh, where is the light in this place now? Where is the light? Okay, is this better? Way better, way better, thank yeah, you. So, yeah, I actually blocked the sun from entering my office, so I think this is why I actually sat down. So like I was saying, so, um, so basically, um, for me, it, it, it all boils down to, uh, you know, purpose itself. So, and you know, it's not just about uh, our undergraduate community, even as adults, for those of us that have graduated, are currently in the real world. Uh, if, if you live a life that's not clearly defined on purpose, and purpose is not a spiritual thing. Purpose is not, uh, you know, it has to be a humanitarian thing. Uh, purpose is simply, you know, at every point in time, you have the big vision, you have the, uh, you have the, you, you have the big vision, you have your ideas of what you want to do. And of course, so even if it's just a, a one-year plan, you're able to define your life and your goals, your achievements. Now, the truth is, everything might not be going the way you want. Um, you might never get that dream job or that dream opportunity you probably desire. But the truth is, if you know where your purpose is, the little steps, the little also, the little ants you have to get dirty, the little things, steps you will take should all align with, of course, the big vision itself. So we're not oblivious of the fact that Nigeria is a place that can also change your destiny. Because when it comes to what you probably want to study or what you want to do. But for me, I think purpose is the core in terms of the expansion we have today in society. Thank you very much. Wow. Amazing. Sir, I just sent you a private message. So... If, if, but if it's not a concern, okay, let um, me we'll check it out. Okay. Uh, okay. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I think it's fine. All right. All right, then. All right, then. All right. So let's jump into the second question. Now, um, you know, until, until close interaction with you, I actually didn't understand the work you were doing with um, Nermala Chalarams. I thought it was just a youth, um, it was just a capacity development. Of course, it's, it's, part of, it's part of his objectives. But when I saw that he was actually building a strategic alliance between the industry and um, the academia, you know, it was, I, I just knew I had to connect to you, even though we had connected through Startup Grind, you know, a few years ago. So what are the economic, you know, within the economic landscape, right? How is this dysfunction affecting the economic landscape? And since you're participating actively through an economic institution, what are the complexities that you, know, you are trying to solve? Or what are the areas of impact that you've noticed the rise of economic institutions like yours can actually solve to bridge this gap? Yeah, so for me, uh, for anyone that, you know, that knows me closely, and of course those that work in, uh, at, at, in the University of Lagos, uh, everybody knows that I'm very passionate about, you know, academia, industrial alliance. 
I think for me, it's, it's the key. Um, if, if you are fortunate to travel to other countries of the world, um, I've been to about 13 of them, and you discover that um, there's always this intentional relationship between our universities and, of course, uh, corporate institutions. Uh, that intentional synergy. Um, when, when you go to the US or the UK or Canada or some other countries, you discover that unlike the way we run our university setup in Nigeria, where Unilag is strictly situated in just Yaba environments, like they just lock themselves there and enclosed environments. Yeah, they are part of the community in Yaba, but they are not necessarily part of the community because everything happens just within that circus. Exactly. Uh, in, in, most modern economy, mm. in most modern economies, you don't see it in that manner. Mm. The university is part and parcel of the state where they are resident in. Wow. So just mm. the way you have a portion of Unilag in Yaba, you can have another portion of Unilag somewhere in Ijegun, another portion somewhere in My 12, another portion somewhere in Ikorodu. So that's way the development is evenly distributed because the goal is to ensure that students can add value to the society. So it's not just about the economic value by way of people renting houses or people, you know, being a part of the community, but by way of even the innovation they think about. So wow. for me, one of the major things I know I'm very passionate about is the fact that our companies and our universities are meant to drive intentional innovation. Mm. And what are the ways we're currently doing this? So in the University of Lagos, we're meant to have launched this, this year, but because of the pandemic and everything, so it's actually on hold. Of course, till the pandemic is over and the universities resume. But one of the major things we are doing, in line with our Academia Industrial Alliance, is unveiling an innovation council. Now, this innovation council, as we'll call innovation fellows, these innovation fellows are made up of professors, doctors, lecturers, and junior lecturers, students, postgraduate students, and even alumni of the University of Lagos. Now, as a member of this innovation council, every year you are mandated by the rule of your engagement as a fellow to come up with an innovative solution that is either commercial inclined or societal inclined. Wow. So it means that there are 550 of them that are part of this innovation council, but they're divided into 11 groups of 50 persons each. Now, these 11 groups of 50 persons each, they come up with their own ideas in their units. But the good thing now is after a month or two, we then screen up the ideas and pick just five. So it means that at the end of the year, we would have developed research on that solution, developed that solution, prototype the solution, wow. test run the solution. Then, of course, if you see that it works perfectly well, we then scale up either to government solving a societal problem or we scale up to uh, the private sector via a commercial solution that they can actually buy and, of course, and scale. Oh, now, the goal is to ensure that university students, university lecturers, students and graduated, those that even take part in our programs and activities, consciously, intentionally add their voice towards innovation, towards invention and innovation. Mm. But it's not enough to invent. If you're inventing without innovating, then of course everything is lost. Because mm. the goal is to ensure that invention is to create. Innovation is when you commercialize, when it becomes useful to society. Yes, sir. When Either in a you. commercial way mm. or in a societal way. Mm. So let me give an example of one of the things that, that we, one of the solutions we identified. Now we, we know that pothole is a big problem in Nigeria. Mm. Bad roads, pothole and the likes. And we also know that oftentimes, you know, if you probably want to repair a road, you cannot just start repairing all those small, small, small bottles you see everywhere. It, mm -hmm. It's not effective when it comes to costs. And of course, it's also effective when it comes to manpower. So somebody in the University of Lagos is currently working on a solution mm. that will serve as cement and a glue. 
So if anyone have ever probably used super glue before, we know how strong and thick super glue can be when you rub it or your hand or your book or anything. It becomes almost impossible for you to really clear it off unless you take years and months of washing. So in this case, someone is actually coming up with a solution that if a portal is discovered somewhere, rather than government trying to get all those big machinery, that, that, that solution in a bag can easily be poured, mixed with water, and that portal will be covered immediately. Now, nobody is doing anything of such in Africa at the moment. Wow. So it's the first of its kind kind of solution. And we know that if that solution is prototyped, is tested, and of course, is seen to be good and effective, this is going to be a game changer as far as our roads are concerned, as far as you know, maintaining or repairing potholes are concerned. So this solution is actually being developed by students. Amazing. And the students have nothing to do with engineering. Wow. Do. It's just his yeah, interest. And of course, it's started carrying research. So what we do as a center is we also provide the funding that they use in Canada, the ROMD. And of course, the prototyping of that particular solution. Wow. Now, the good thing is, you can imagine if this is skilled across our universities, mm. if this is skilled across our polytechnics, if this is skilled across, this obviously will be a game changer for the mindset students themselves, yes. the mindset lecturers themselves carry when mm. it comes to the purpose for going to universities. Mm. Wow, that is. So I'll just give you the practical amazing. example of what can be done. Mm. Wow, thank you so much, sir. You know, it's, I, I, and I love that, you know, it, it captures the core ideas that were also expressed in the Venture Matrix publications, you know, without any initial conversation. So this is really exciting for me personally. So let's jump right into the second session because we don't have a lot of time right now. So one thing that we've observed with institutions is their ability to decentralize power. Um, either it's economic power, political power, social power, <laughs> even spiritual powers. That is why we have the church systems, right? So. How do we, we, that means for us to be able to decentralize power, we need to understand how power works, right? So how does economic power actually, what are the defining elements of economic power? Okay, well, uh, I think from, uh, so I, I'll probably take it from uh, a federal point of view, uh, from a state point of view. And yes, we, we currently know some of us are uh, involved in policymaking. Uh, we should be aware that the, the Senate, you know, have said they want to amend the Nigerian constitution. Now, for many of us that understand the way the Nigerian government also operates, we know for a fact that uh, the bulk of economic power lies with the federal government. Now, Nigeria practices federalism, but we don't practice true federalism. Now, federalism means that you have state government, you have local government, you have the federal government, you have the legislature, you have the executive arm of government, you have the legislative arm of government. So those are what you call the federal system of government. Now, looking at what com compares to what what we get in most modern economies. The kind of enormous power the Nigerian government has today is not meant to be if we want to talk about true federalism. And of course, Nigeria or states are nursing its true economic power. So let me give a vivid explanation. In today's Nigeria federal system, every state in Nigeria depends on federal government for their monthly allocation. Yeah. Many state governments are not, are not even viable. Imagine states like Oshun State, Kogi State. They paid their, they, they paid their, they, they've, not, they have, they've not even paid for years. Hmm. Why those that even managed to pay are paying 30%, 40% of people's salary. So the question hmm. you ask yourself is, how on earth can somebody like this even treat wealth? When hmm. even the job they do full time, they're not even getting paid 
for the job. Mm. You owe people for months, they're in debt. So how do you expect somebody like this to progress economically mm. or financially? Mm. But mm. now look at the problem. Many of these state governors are not even thinking because they are guaranteed of federal money at the end of the month. So look at the problem. Why states like Delta, uh, Rivers, uh, uh, Ondo, you know, states that have oil well, are producing the wealth? Mm. States like Kogi states, Sokoto and all of those plenty states that lack resources mm. are ripping off from the resources that are gotten from one segment of the country. Mm. Now, this is not even about South or North. Mm. Because you also have some states that are not even adding any form of value to the federal post. But yet, they get monthly allocations from the federal post. So imagine if Nigeria operated a true federal system where, see, federal government does not need to be in control of oil. If oil is in Delta, let Delta states develop its own oil. Exactly. They only mm. pay a percentage of the commission to the federal the government. Federal government. Mm. If on those states discovers bitumen or something or lime, mm. let them annex their lime, mm. export the lime, generate forex for themselves, and only pay a commission of their revenue to federal governments. Wow. The same also with every state in Nigeria. Annexing from its area of strength what they know they have a competitive advantage on. Annex. Pay a portion of that to federal governments. You would see that a lot of states will begin to sit up. Because if you don't have oil, it doesn't mean you're disadvantaged. You can actually have some other things. Look at Igbo guys, the guys in the East. They don't own oil dogs. They don't even control the oil in this country. But somehow, they make money for themselves. They even create billionaires and millionaires from the system that they've adopted of apprenticeship. So, the Southwest were known for education, were known to always act as the business executives. Every region coming on with its competitive advantage. So, whatever money you generate, the bulk of that money stays in your state. So yes, let's sir. go at their own pace. Yeah. Nobody is collecting money for federal government. You will mm. see that states that are economically disadvantaged will be forced to look inwards. Mm. Because every state in this country has a comparative advantage. They are not exploiting yet because yes. easy money comes from the federal government. Mm. So for me, if I'm talking about devolution of economic powers, Nigeria needs to operate through federalism. Let state governments be in total control of their natural resources. If you don't have natural resources, look for that in other areas where you can have comparative advantage. Mm. It could be in tech, build capacity, build skills, education, get your people so educated that other regions of the country would want them to come and help them manage their businesses. Yes, sir. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Wow, that was, that was, that was really insightful. Um, Wow, I'm learning a lot. So the next thing we need to understand is how do institutions, our institutions designed, developed, and built to democratize this kind of, this, this power that we, this power dynamics that we have been exposed to? Well, uh, like, I tell, like I tell anyone, you know, I, I get to engage when it comes to, you know, uh, issues of, uh, you know, strengthening institutions. Uh, the truth is, um, there is no institution or policy or constitution that's ever perfect. Um, we, we only attain towards perfection, of course. You know, on a daily basis, monthly basis, annual basis, there are the amendments, repealing, new act or laws that are brought to bear. So for me, I think um, 
first things first, uh, if you are trying to build strong institutions, you know, it, it still boils down to, you know, uh, capacity, human capacity, getting people that are competent, people that are educated, you know, in, in these places of authority. But the truth now is this, it's not enough for us to wish for people to be there. If those of us that are educated, that are exposed, are not even interested. Oftentimes, we get to insult people or young people or cause people, young people that, you know, work as essays or PAs to politicians that are smart, educated. We think, oh, you should just graduate from school, work for two or three years and jump to become a minister or jump to become the director general of a government agency. No, it doesn't work in that manner. First, there's a place of service and there's a place of value creation. You have to serve, you have to work. Now, that's the only way mm. you can build cap capacity in public service, mm. in also building strong institutions. Mm. Now, that's why you have thugs and thugs today that are there. Because thugs and thugs that are fighting, that are loyal, are the ones they see and are the ones they reward. But many of us that are working today, we are not willing to pay the, to pay the price of service, of value creation. It's not enough for you to say you have value. If people cannot see the value, if you have not shown the value, you have not proven the value you have. So my advice to young people out there is simple. Get involved, no matter the kid at the local level, the state level, the federal level. And you don't even have to be in government because not everyone will get the opportunity to be there. But if your goal is to play in governance, then be a voice that adds value as far as governance is there, as far as policymaking is involved. As far as holding government accountable is involved, even if it has to be on a part-time basis, on a voluntary basis, you have to serve. And in serving, create value. Now, in creating value, that is how you get recognized. That's how you can play a role in building those institutions that we talk about that should help Nigeria or the world attain that Eduardo that we all dream about. Wow. So, no matter how we dream about, you know, the strong institutions or great institutions, these institutions are manned by humans and humans mm. that are available. Humans mm. that they think have value. So, mm. if we think we have better value, please, if you get an opportunity to work as a PA or an SA, for me, there is nothing wrong in that. It's all mm. a means towards an end. And at the end of the day, it is quite very important that your private sector experience can never be the same as public sector experience. Within the public sector, when you serve, it helps you to build relationships you can leverage upon. It helps you to build the knowledge and the capacity. You make mistakes at the lower level, you are forgiven. But you make mistakes at the higher level where you are now exposed. Trust me, oftentimes, you might not be forgiven. So it is very important that we understand the place of serving and the mm. place of value creation. Wow. Wow. Really exciting. But, but sir, that, that begs the second question. That begs the second question. So how do we define the relationship between the economic and social environments that define these principles I want to adopt to create institutions? Well, like I earlier said before, um, because we, we believe that, oh, the environment or the society, uh, you know, is the way it is, so we, we likely don't make any form of efforts trying to, you know, get involved. But the truth is, no matter, no matter uh, what we probably say or what we do, it still boils down to uh, getting involved. That's the honest truth. 
the mm. economic situation or the environmental factors will not change until we get involved. It might not happen overnight, but the truth is, if I'm doing my bit, other folks like me that think like me are doing their bit, people are building their expertise within whatever it is that they do, are doing their bit. Over time, things will also work in line with, of course, the, the mood of the environment or the mood of the factors that we see, that we think today are working against us. So for me, it boils down to involvement. Young people need to get involved, need to get their voice heard. Now, that's the only way we can say wow. we want to make changes. But if we keep on being aloof, if mm. we keep on being nonchalant, if we keep on being, you know, concern me, if we keep on being, oh, I'm actually comfortable and anything that happens, I don't care, then that is obviously and surely what every one of us would get. Wow. All right. That is really exciting. And I love that you can contextualize it to Nigeria. So, so let's go right into the strategy session. So in the strategy session, um, we want to zero down on the demographics. We want to focus on the undergraduate community. And I'm really excited that that's one community that you are even actively currently working on, even though you interface with every level of stakeholders in this ecosystem. So what can the undergraduate community do? You know, you've mentioned service. What can the undergraduate community do in the creation of an enabling environment through institutions? If we, were to, if we were to create our own form of institutions or contribute or consolidate the work of economic institutions currently being done, how do we design those, our, uh, will I call it micro-institutions, to, to achieve this aim? Okay, well, uh, I think um, at the undergraduate level, uh, like I tell anyone, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not enough, like I earlier said, to, to just to decide you want to go to the university. Um, as an undergraduate, either the polytechnic level or the, uh, the, the university level or the college education level, it, it's not enough to say, oh, I'm going to school. Uh, like I earlier said, one of the ways, of course, to involve the undergraduate community or to integrate our undergraduate community is, you know, first things first, defining purpose. Uh, I also realized that not everyone might have a clear-cut idea of what they really want to do. So that's, of course, allowed. But uh, even in not knowing what you want to do exactly, you know, the place of personal development now comes to play. You know, getting involved in programs, uh, conferences, seminars, webinars, uh, you know, taking up leadership position, all of these things in many ways, you know, helps in building what you become when you graduate from university. Now, like I tell anyone, whatever you do on campus to a large extent, uh, when, you, when you graduate into the real world, it's like scratch. It doesn't count or matter. But where it matters is this. All of those foundations you would have built, all of those tenacity you would have earned for yourself, all of those buried experience you would have built for yourself, wow. in many ways can actually help you when you graduate. So it may not be visible enough, but at least it serves mm. as a foundation, as an anchor you can begin to build upon. Mm. So what I do today or what I am today, a lot of folks that, that knew me in university are more surprised because they've always known that Elder has always been like this. Now, the only good thing is I've grown better, I've grown wiser, I'm now more exposed, I've achieved a lot, compared to, of course, whilst I was an undergraduate. But whilst I was in school, I showed the potential. So the good thing mm. is, in our little ways, either in serving or in leading, we can also show our mm. ways. And the truth is, see, you cannot give what you don't have. So to a large extent, True. our time on campus serves as an excellent foundation. But it does not mean that if you do a lot or become the student union president or the president of an association that you've landed, mm -hmm. no, it doesn't mean you've landed. 
It simply means that you build a foundation you can begin to up upon when you get to the real world. Because who you are on campus will remain, will just become a reflection of who you become when, of course, you leave the university or when you leave your polytechnics. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. That, that begs the second question in the strategy session. So our major focus within the, the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa is the creation of enabling environments for value, economic value creation. Right? And I was able to identify that there are three tools that institutions use to drive this creation of economic, um, of, the, of the enabling environment, which is policies, projects, and partnerships, right? So as, as the undergraduate community, how do we deploy these three tools to create economic institutions that drive value creation? Okay, uh, so uh, like, like I earlier said, uh, you know, I spoke about our Academia Industrial Alliance platform. And of course, in speaking about that, I then broke it down to, you know, uh, Innovation Council, so in, in terms of policy, in terms of projects, in terms of partnerships, let me highlight those three things based on what we're doing currently. Uh, first things first, what we're currently doing in Unilag, uh, we're working with the NUC and also working with some private sector players. Uh, they are the ones funding, of course, the research, the development in line with some of their priority areas. Now, mm. partnerships is extremely key. You need the resources to make this happen. You need the relationships to enable this happen. Now, in terms of mm. policy, our goal is we are piloting this with the University of Lagos. Now, once this can work in the University of Lagos, two, three years down the line, we hope to mm. institute this as a policy, as an act of parliament. So it's backed awesome. by law. Wow. And I look at wow. the best parts. Wasn't thinking that, okay, in doing this, companies that fund research and development intentionally on campus, using, utilizing the model we've designed, should be given some form of tax rebates, yeah. tax incentives. Now, wow. look at the best parts. We're also thinking that a portion of the taxes we pay should also be dedicated to an innovation fund. So universities, tertiary institutions can actually apply to that innovation fund if they've been operating for a certain number of years. And of course, if they have an active innovation council that seeks funding for such research and development. So it's, it's very key, it's very, very important that, that universities, of course, institutes this kind of policy that we're talking about. So like I said, for policy, our goal is to lobby that policy into existence. For partnerships, we're currently working with the NUC and we're also working with some private sector players that are funding the research. Then of course, more importantly, programs which covers and encompasses people. Undergraduates on campus are the ones we're currently working with. Lecturers on campus are the ones awesome. we're working with. We've created programs that train them on innovation. We've created a platform where they get to meet on a weekly, on a monthly basis, twice a month, where they get to brainstorm on their ideas and solutions. And of course, we also have an innovation lab strictly wow. dedicated to this innovation and research that enables them to solidify the ideas and innovation that they've come up with. So those three metrics you've identified wow. are the three things we've also done or are currently doing you know, on campus. And like I said, our wow. goal is to ensure that if this can work successfully in Unilag, two years, three years down the line, we want to scale this across the country. And they will scale this across the continent also, Policy. yes. True exactly. Policy, True policy, and of course, in, 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 in making it a policy, we then scale it up to other universities and other polytechnics. So every university should have wow. an academic industrial alliance platform, and every university should also have wow. an innovation council. Wow. Wow, that's been really insightful. I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot, right? Um, the last question in this segment is about the creation of of, of an enabling environment. What is the role of 
student-led institutions within that environment. And also, sir, please, I would like you to answer it you know, by buttressing on the how. So you've told us about the outcomes of projects, policies, and um, partnerships. But how do we design those programs? How do we um, uh, facilitate the, the partnerships, especially since we're dealing with stakeholders who have no form of um, evaluation of our potential, right? And then how do we also draft the kind of policies that have the highest impact areas for this creation of an enabling environment? Okay, so uh, I think uh, for, the, for, for the how, I'll probably be uh, a little secretive, you know, of course, giving out details like that. Of course. Uh, majorly because, course. Um, so what we're currently doing is under, um, it's, it's, like I said, it's meant to have been launched out, but because of the coronavirus and the fact that campuses are closed, we will not be able to do that. So we wouldn't want to be putting out our best ideas yet. It's public. Of course. So, and of course, of course, in making it public, then it becomes everybody's knowledge. But in terms of other hours that we've adopted, uh, on campus, for example, we have some major programs that we do for undergraduates. Uh, first, we have a workplace readiness program. Uh, we oh, have, sir. yeah? Sir. Okay, I think I know how to make it a little um, better for you. So you don't have to tell us what you've done. You can just tell us like the tools, like, you know, like now first things first is to maybe understand the problem area. Second thing is to maybe do research. So I just want you to give us, you know, like if there was to say, you know, the way, you know, books have it, seven ways to, seven yeah. highly effective, seven habits for highly effective people. So just give us those practical steps on how we can okay. design our own. Yes. So, so, so I think, uh, yes, if, 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 if anyone of course is looking at, you know, wanting to, to add value, uh, you know, within the university ecosystem, I think it's very important that you identify there are three major areas you can actually do so. And not forgetting the fact that undergraduates are interested in three major things when they graduate from school. Some undergraduates yeah. are interested in starting a job, so in getting a yeah. job when they graduate. Some undergraduates are interested in starting a small business when they graduate. Some yes. undergraduates are interested in furthering their studies, going for a master's or a PhD, either yes. in Nigeria, but mostly abroad. Abroad. Uh, so <laughs> once, of course, we, we identify these three needs, now, it's not left for us to begin to design programs that we know satisfy those needs. Now, how do we wow. do that? We know that for undergraduates looking for jobs, there's the issue of employability. Are they employable? Skill uh, do they have the requisite skills? So, mm. universities, polytechnics, people should begin to think of, okay, what programs can we encompass that ensures these people have the requisite knowledge they need? Now, beyond that, it's not enough to just get the head knowledge for employability skills. Can we also create platforms where students can even begin to get intentional opportunity via internships? Uh, like I, I tell people, in the developed world, it's, it's normal for undergraduates every long holiday to go on an internship program. It's just a normal thing. In Nigeria, it's not a normal thinking. We only think internships are for undergraduates that are in education or engineering. So it should be a normal, even if your university don't enforce it. As undergraduates, seek out an international platform where you can learn and build work experience. It is key. It's important. If you are fortunate to get a place that pays you fine, if you are not fortunate to get a place that pays you, it doesn't matter. It's part of the investment you are investing in your future. If you don't invest in it today, when you graduate, you, be, you, you are going to invest in it painfully because then you are not employable, you have a job, but you still have to go through a training to learn. So do it as an undergraduate. Secondly, if your goal is to start up a business when you graduate, nothing stops you from attending business schools and then find mentors that can teach you. The more important thing, attending webinars or programs, and like I tell anyone, start in the smallest way possible, depending on the kind of idea you have. Start in the smallest way possible. Pilot the product, pilot the service. Test run. More importantly, I don't believe in one-man show. I believe in partnership and collaboration. So if you want to start up anything, 
look for someone with similar ideas and partner with them. Collaborate with them. Lastly, if your goal is to get a PhD or a master's abroad, please and please and please, don't wait till you graduate to start looking for that. First things first, getting a good grade will be paramount. If you have a two-one, or sorry, two-two, or a third class, it's not bad. But if you intend pursuing further studies abroad, you want to ensure you come out with good grades. Good grades will give you an opportunity. Now, in coming out with a good grade, it's not just enough for you to get a good grade. Because mm. if you looking for a scholarship, universities abroad check out your leadership quality. They mm. check out your track record. So mm. even if it's volunteering, volunteer actively. Mm. So they can share the stories of your volunteering as part of your success story when you're applying for those scholarships abroad. Mm. These are the things funders look out for when they want to allocate scholarship to people seeking scholarship to come and study in their universities. Now, mm. more importantly, don't ever think that going to study abroad means that, oh, you are trying to explain to them how poor you are. Nobody cares about your poverty. <laughs> Nobody cares about your lack. Nobody cares about how bad Nigeria is. Mm. All they care about is what value you've added in your own country and what value you come and add if they give you the scholarship to come to their universities. Wow. More importantly, always keep a futuristic view. Mm. Even if you know your mind, you don't want to come back to Nigeria. Don't mm. ever say that, of course, in an application where you're submitting, because the goal is <laughs> want to train you, empower you, so they can come back to your country to add value. Mm. But yes, in three years, four years, five years, things can actually change. So nothing stops that reality from changing. But don't, allow, don't paint that reality today that Nigeria is bad. We all know Nigeria is bad. There's no country in the world that is perfect. Mm. Our ass is just, we're just a little more imperfect than others. Mm. But ensure you sell yourself from a place of value. Mm. And more importantly, build your portfolio. What have you done? What are you doing? And like I said, it doesn't have to be a job, but ensure it, it flows in line with your long-term aspirations. Yes, sir. So all of these things I've said are the little steps that we can take as an undergraduate. If, of course, we're either talking of an institution or mm. even as individuals. Wow, amazing. So, so what have been the areas of uh, policy and um, partnerships? Well, uh, for policy and partnerships, I think I've, I've explained uh, my point of view. Uh, my, my, the, the, my own ideas uh, for our plans, I want it size approach. Uh, we're also willing to partner with or collaborate with, of course, anyone that has you know, ideas of what they think can also be done. Uh, of course, in line with instituting this as a policy. But I think I've shared my own aspect based off my own experience, based on what we've seen in Brazil, what we've seen in, uh, in Finland, what we've seen in the US, and of course, in some other economies across the world. So it's not left for, of course, individual institutions or bodies to decide, okay, what they want to do. But like I said, we are also open to collaboration and partnership. So anyone that feels, oh, let's partner with you know, this center, uh, the, the Malachalam Center for Entrepreneurship Skills at the University of Lagos, I am totally fine and open to such collaboration so that that we, we know we can push a common front. Because policy making is not uh, let's band our own, let's do our own. No. Everything has to be synergized at the end of the day to mm. ensure that we have a robust plan or a robust policy that encompasses all. All right. Awesome. And the same also for projects too. But projects okay. also too could be tailored to your local needs. What yes, could work in also, Lagos might not necessarily work in Kano or Sokoto State. True. So sir. it's also individual needs that determines what program of projects, of course, they come up with. And our problems are, are, are not uh, familiar, are not, uh, are not alike. Mm. The problems in Lagos are different problems in Eboin or the problems in Ogun State. Mm. So everybody, but the, the goal is actually that you're looking inwards in mm. terms of your innovation and invention. Nice. Thank you so much. Sir. So um, we'll just take the final questions and then we'll round up today's session. 
So if we're to, in terms of economic, um, in terms of, of, of designing economic institutions that democratize economic power, what is the one thing you think the undergraduate community can focus on um, that you think would, would you know, most create that impact that would define our role in the future? Okay, well, I think uh, if, if I'm going to probably speak to the one thing, um, you know, our universities or tertiary institutions should focus on, uh, I think that would be innovation. That would be research. Uh, like I earlier said, uh, it's the only way, you know, we can truly measure the value of the knowledge our undergraduates are getting mm. when they have an opportunity to express their ideas, to and express the solutions they carry in their arts. Mm. So I think um, our universities, attached institutions should focus on, you know, research and innovation. But this time, we're not just talking about those textbook-oriented research and innovation. Mm. We're talking about local, local innovation, yes, sir. local problems, local issues, wow. thinking locally, and creating an intentional platform to encourage prototyping of this research, mm. testing of this research. So it's not enough to, you know, to just, like I said, say we're doing research around D, and we're just publishing them across the world. We mm. need to think locally. We mm. have a lot of people with great ideas. The yes, problem sir. they have is they don't have money or resources yes. to exploit this idea. So mm. that, that for me will be the key. We wow. need to intentionally add value to our society. That's why we go to our universities. Yes, our sir. universities should be citadel of, of innovation, not just citadel of knowledge or learning. Or oh, information. <laughs> Please, sir, just a follow-up before we round up, because you said something really instrumental that I think you know, we should tap from your wisdom. Is, okay, let's say we organize ourselves to tackle this one problem of, okay, let us focus on innovation. Let us synergize our ideas, our, our interests towards making sure that there's an enabling environment for innovation. One bottleneck that we would still encounter is the existing structure of governance of um, our undergraduate communities, right? It is a big, it is a big, um, okay, let me not say it because that, that, would, that would be presumptuous. It is a major part of creating an enabling environment. So how do we engage those stakeholders who run our schools from both the government um, side to this university management themselves. Okay, well, uh, you know, like I said before, I think it, it all boils down to, to perspective. It all boils down to, uh, you know, uh, saving and value creation. The truth is, uh, you know, uh, the, the best way to earn people's respect, uh, particularly in a system that does not really like change, mm. uh, you know, is making them see the value mm. in what you are creating. Mm. I can assure you that the road to where we've gotten to today has been plagued by challenges, people that don't really understand what we're trying to do, you know, people just trying to bring you down for no reason because they feel uh, this guy and his ideas are a threat to their... So exactly, know, they feel threatened, yeah. So, so the truth is, uh, one of the ways, you know, I slap people or I kill people, or would I say, uh, you know, I, I cower people, <laughs> just show the, show the value, mm. show the value. In showing the value, let everybody see that, see, if this thing flies, everybody's a winner here. You mm. get the glory, we get the fame, we, we even get the, the resources financially because a, an innovation that is sold out there to a commercial entity will generate big time money, not just for the person that come up with the innovation. Of course, for, the, for the university. university yes, sir. So for me, I think uh, it, it all boils down to that. It will not be easy, but the truth is, uh, the, I believe value, value speaks for itself. Mm. If you come up with great ideas and looking for their support, sell out, it benefits them. Now, even wow. the organizations, the corporate organizations coming on board, no company, company doesn't give you money for the sake of giving you money. But mm. if they know 
that you can actually help them innovate on the solution. They spend so much money on importing into Nigeria. Mm. Why, would they, why would they want to partner with you? Because mm. they know for a fact that this person actually has solutions. So let me give good examples. A lot of industries in Nigeria probably import the bulk of the machineries they use. Now, imagine if we come up with a local solution mm. where these machines can be fabricated in Nigeria, maintained in Nigeria, the parts also bought here in Nigeria, including probably the oil or whatever, local solution that can be skilled. Mm. Then, imagine the value such an individual would have brought to himself, to the university, of course, that had to patent that solution and the economy at large. So for me, I think it all boils down to value, value mm. creation. Wherever you are leading such efforts, you need to communicate the value to all parties, mm. both the private sector players, your partners, the government or the institution that you're working with. And of course, whoever it is, you probably need to onboard, including even those that should be driving the innovation. Mm. They need to know that their innovations can be commercialized, their innovations can be recognized, mm. that this is a safe environment for you to think all your thinking, all your thoughts, all your crazy ideas, because here we can nurture them to reality. Wow. This has been an amazing session. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. We have come to Thank the end much. of today's forum on the venture. And, um, you know, this, this was really impactful. I really appreciate you for joining us, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're welcome, boss. All right. So there's a lot of excitement in the comment section. You can read them before you go. Um, but we were so glad. I'm so glad that um, you were able to make it. I missed your busy schedule. And um, we, we are going to be, we, generations are going to be grateful to, to you for, for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much and yes. have a great Thank you very much. Same also. Thank you very much. All right.